Alright, greetings and welcome to the podcast Humor Absurd with Selling Man the Third. Yes, yours truly is here and ready to entertain you. Okay, for those unfamiliar with this show, uh, the podcast segments here are based off my new collection of humor short stories over the past 40 years entitled Happy New Millennium. Uh, I hope you like that opening song. It was called After the Pill But Before the Disease from my solo 2018 EP. Just a little FYI. Um, I kind of created that stage name um, because too many people have my legal name and, well, there you have it. So, plain and simple. Um, this episode is going to be focused on Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp that I attended back in 2003. And it is called, specifically, Wine, Women, and Song with Roger Daltrey. Uh, just in case you want to reference it later, because I expect you to get my book as soon as possible. Um, um, so I hope everybody's doing well. Um, a little later on today, we're going to have a special guest that's going to be joining my podcast. It will be legendary rocker Liberty DeVito, who is best known as the drummer for Billy Joel over a 30-year span. Uh, pretty impressive. Um, he's got a new book out uh, that came out in 2020 called Liberty, Life, Billy, and the Pursuit of Happiness, which is a brilliant title. Um, and he will talk at length about that. Um, so just a little bit about um, Fantasy Camp, um, that I met Liberty back in the day, back in 2003, and it was an amazing experience. I mean, I, I can't tell you all the people that I met and friends I met afterwards and the connections that I made um, that still played off to this day. I mean, it's just mind-blowing and um, a lot of hijinks went on there and a lot of crazy stuff um, for somebody who was turning 40 like me at the time it was a perfect time to have something like this uh, my wife Mary Pat was gracious enough to say you know something how about doing something crazy like this and I know you're going to be the perfect guy um, who's going to embrace this like nobody and I did uh, I was probably only maybe five or... There was probably only about a half a dozen of us uh, that were actually in bands of maybe the 70 people that attended the fantasy camp. It was in New York City, and um, it ran for about a week. Um, it wasn't cheap. It was... <laughs> I don't fuck up 6,000 big ones uh, to participate, but... The people that were there were just unbelievable. Um, you know, one morning I'm walking down the street with the bassist Jack Blades from Night Ranger talking about his experiences. The next day, drummer Simon Kirk from Free and Bad Company is talking to me in the rehearsal space about the bass line that we're going to do to jam. And then Next thing I know, I'm live on stage at the bottom line next to my idol, Roger Daltrey of The Who, singing Squeezebox. I mean, how was a man supposed to go back to work with all this great music happening around me? Um, so let me, let me read you a passage from the book just to kind of give you a little idea of what we're kind of talking about here. Um, 
All the guest rock counselors kept us moderately entertained throughout the day. Like rainbows, Joan Lynn turned to loosely jamming in between our intolerable rehearsals with Leslie Weston Mountain. Most of the pro rockers seemed genuinely polite and nobody caused a problem. Except, of course, the incorrigible Mr. West. Having forgotten he was with a bunch of amateurs, Leslie began scolding a few of us. One of them was an executive who had forgotten a guitar part West had shown him only a minute earlier. It had probably been the first time this white-collar CEO had been yelled at in eons, but we were all powerless to do anything. We were now in Leslie's world, and the rock guitar legend did not enjoy hearing crappy guitar from anyone. Uh, so that's one little passage, and, and I understood that. I mean, we were kind of coming into their space, and... Um, uh, the best part, again, for me was really the Roger Daltrey experience. Um, you know, just when he walked into the room, I mean, you know, this was a situation where I had never, ever, ever in my, in a million years, think a guy from my poster back in the late 70s would be standing next to me, you know, learning um, a song with me. And, you know, in the middle of our rehearsals, um, you know, he came in and did a duet with me. It was only a shortened version of Naked Eye. It was off um, one of their um, albums, uh, Odds and Sods. But it was, it was one of those experiences where you felt like, you know, the fantasy had become a reality. And I think David Fischoff, who has been doing this now, for probably close to 20, 25 years now, um, has taken it um, to different cities. It hasn't just been in New York, it's been Los Angeles and um, Chicago, Las Vegas, it's been all over. And that's why, for me, it was a special moment, um, you know, in my life where I felt, where, where can I take this? I mean, what can I do with this? And I made some connections with The Who after that, and I've gotten over to London and all this great stuff. And it's just, uh, and it's a gift that has kept on giving. So um, it's just an amazing um, time. I think in his new book, um, he'll be, um, he'll talk a little bit more about um, some of what I've, I've always dreamed of doing that he actually got to do. And that's why he kind of came down to Fantasy Camp um, back in the day, because he wanted to try to get that experience and share it a little bit with us, even if it was for a week. And it was a great I was so shot, I wasn't even ready to go back to work. I'd worked for a big Wall Street guy. And the next day I walked into work and I felt like um, a fish out of water. Um, yeah, Liberty. It's, it's Sully Man. You hear me? Yep, I'm here. Are you there? All good, yes. You're all good? All right. Um, I was just doing a little preamble before I got in here, just talking a little bit about you and um, and kind of who you... <laughs> so, you know, before we get to the book, I do want to do one little thing. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about your experience with the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp because I did one as a camper for my 40th birthday back in 2003. And that's, I guess, when I first saw you at the camp when 
And I remember this one scene, and I don't know if you remember, it was a long time ago, but Leslie, Leslie West was singing, and of all people, the, the future White House press secretary, Tony Snow, was on saxophone, and you were on the drums in that big, in that big room. And it was crazy. It was, you know, it was the audition day. It was the first day where all the campers came on. So the, I guess the thing I want to ask you is, is that rock and roll fantasy camp kind of like organized chaos? Kind of give me your take on it. Well, it's funny you say that because I just did two virtual uh, camps for the rock and roll fantasy camps. Okay. Uh, uh, just like uh, within the last uh, two months. But yes, it is organized chaos. I mean, we walk in as counselors, you know, the musicians are counselors, right. and uh, it's, it's kind of like, wow, who, who are these guys, first of all, that we're supposed to be counseling? Uh, <laughs> my thing that I do when I when I do a camp, and there's a bunch of guys that used to be musicians, and now they're playing, and they got to put a band together, you know, I tell them right from the beginning, look, admit to yourself that you suck. <laughs> admit that if you admit that you suck, there's only one way to go, and that's up. <laughs> if you think you're really good now, forget it. You'll lose. <laughs> you know? That's so, yeah, very it's, well said. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and but it's fun. It's fun. And you know, I, I came I came away from that camp a different person. You know, when I got to sing on stage um, with Roger Daltrey on the last night. I mean, you know, this was a guy that I had on my wall in my bedroom for years. And next thing I know, he's standing next to me singing Squeezebox. And it was really kind of an out-of-body experience. You know, it was a sold-out show at the bottom line. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah, it's, it's amazing uh, what uh, David Fishoff has done with the camps. The talent that he brings in. Uh, you know, he has Ginger Baker there. He gets uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss. It's all of Aerosmith, you know, cheap trick. It's insane. I know. It's, and, and they have a lot of repeat people going back, you know, year after year because they can't seem to get enough. Yeah, so so I, I want to talk a little bit about your book. I, you know, I think Liberty, Life, Billy, and the Pursuit of Happiness may be one of the greatest titles I've seen <laughs> in a book in a long time. It's just very clever and very to the point. But so the... the you know, I have a book that just came out because part of why I'm doing this is that it's a, it's a comedy of short stories that kind of ended up being, my book was, ended up being a little bit autobiographical. Was that a little bit of the intent or was there more to it with your book? Uh, for me, uh, I just, I started to write the book as, as a uh, uh, history, a family history for my kids. You know, my, I got four daughters and I wanted to write a family history for my daughters to see where, so they knew where they came from. Uh, so I started with Italy with my grandparents. Right, I saw them. You know, my dad uh, lived till 91 years old, so I got to interview him. I interviewed my mom, my aunts, and I, I really got a, got a taste of what life was like when they were growing up and, and when my grandparents came over. So, but as I was, uh, you know, just going through life, I would tell stories about me and Billy uh, and, you know, Richie Canada and Russell and, and what it was like to be on the road with these guys. And yeah, somebody said, you can write a book about this. So, right. um, you, know, you know, what turned out to, to what started out to be a, a book about my, my life uh, growing up as a kid, then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I realized if I'm going to write a book about my life, it's got to have Billy in it because he was there for 30 years. Right. You know, he was, he was a major, I think out of all the things, 
done. Well, one of my daughters is 40 years old now. So besides being the, the son of Mr. and Mrs. DeVito, I think it was Billy Joel that I did the longest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it and it, it definitely has that kind of flow. So one part of the book I found interesting. So if you know your rock history... You know, Bruce Springsteen was also in trouble in his career, uh, uh, coming into his third record. And once Roy Bitten on piano and Max Weinberg on drums kind of came in for Born to Run, it really saved Springsteen's career. So, in a way, did kind of you, Richie Cannata, Russell, Javers, and Doug Stegmaier, did you do the same for Billy Joel, who turned styles in a, in a way? Well, you see, what I feel about this is that me, Russell Jabbers, uh, Doug Stegmeyer, and Howard Emerson uh, were a band called Topper before we were with Billy Joel. We were, we were Topper for like at least five years. And uh, so we were playing together and we were tight, you know. Um, so when we went into record turnstiles with Billy, he had already a tight band with the addition of Richie Cannata, who fit like a glove in the guys with Tapa. Right. You know, I tell you in the book, and I said it at, 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 the, at the Long Island Music Hall of Fame speech, it's like, you know, Billy didn't make us, us uh, uh, he, he didn't, uh, what did I say in the fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs> just totally As they say, you said it, not me. <laughs> he didn't make us, he didn't make us great. It was the greatness that he saw in us that uh. he knew. You know, that, that it, it, we would add to what he wanted to do, you know? Very uh, interesting. And Richie fit, fit like a glove right into the humor of, that we had. And, and uh, you know, he just became one of us, one of Topper. And, and that was with the, the band, you know, that, that took Billy over the top. Right, because even with Turnstiles, um, I think I read somewhere that he had worked originally... He had done some session work, I think, prior to even you guys coming in with uh, Elton John's band. I think um, I, yeah, he, he almost did, he almost did the whole album with uh, uh, Nigel Olsen and uh, D. Murray. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and then it yeah. didn't it didn't work, and then you guys kind of came in, and even with Turnstiles, yep. it wasn't really till probably the next record that you really solidified that you know, I guess well, the next phase. After Turnstiles. You know, that, that Turnstiles has great songs on it. Right. As a matter of fact, when we used to tour with Billy, and even with the Lords, the, the set list is Turnstiles heavy. You know, because those songs are great. Anger and Man, you know, State of Mind, Miami 2017. There's so many great songs on that record. It lacked the production. You know, uh, uh. just push it over that, that top. And then when Phil Ramon came in, that was com that completed the whole thing. Right. Phil Ramone, great, yeah. great, great name. So I want to get back a little bit to you being a drummer. So now I know I'm kind of a little bit of a rock historian. I know Dave Grohl of Nirvana, Don Henley of the Eagles, and Phil Collins of Genesis have stepped in and out from the drum kit to be a front man and kind of come back in. Uh, was there ever a time where you felt you wanted to try that avenue? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. No, I, I, I can't. I can't really sing. I mean, it's a joke if I, if I'm singing along. But there is one thing at Yankee Stadium in that video. Uh, Billy f doesn't know the words to, uh, to the kind of bridge on uh, uh, shout. Uh. <laughs> I fix the microphone <laughs> in my face and I actually sing it. 
and it's on this video, and it oh, actually boy. became a, a live single that was released in Australia and went to number one. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I ne- I never knew that. I I have to I'll have to dig out that video. I don't I it's it's vaguely familiar, but I'll have to check that out. Well, again, you know, I don't think I don't think you know Dave or Don or Phil at the time were planning on stepping out. It just kind of worked out that way. But if you don't feel comfortable in the voice, you don't feel comfortable in the voice. It's because you're just out you know, there by yourself. If I were younger and I thought about it, you know, took voice lessons or something, maybe then I could have done something. But I'm comfortable behind the drums. You know, the drums is a protective wall for me. Right. You know, uh, nobody can get up there with me. Even my, my wives, they, they can't. I said, why? It's like I'm a fucking polygamist. Uh, <laughs> no, two of them are gone. I have one now. <laughs> but, um, well, so... You know, even they, they can't come up on the stage with me when I'm behind those drums. So, I, I, you know, the, you have so many stories, but I have to tell you, you know, the some of the most... The, the most difficult part is starting a book, and that forward by Billy... It, it is very moving. And I know, you know, as, as a rock historian, I knew it took Robbie Robertson and Levon Helm of the band to make peace on Levon's deathbed. And I know you guys didn't want to go that way. But it happened so much in the world of music. So how did you guys manage to come together? And it, it's, you know, it, it's a big deal. You know, our whole falling out was, uh, we, I didn't see what happened is, Billy's surrounded by a lot of people. He believes uh, that these people are there for him. <clears throat> so if somebody tells Billy something that somebody else did, and Billy doesn't go to the person immediately and say, is this true? Right. He'll never know if it's true or not. And the person that it was said about, if he doesn't know what it was said, we'll never know what would happen. My biggest mistake was I should have gone, <laughs> excuse me, and stood in Billy Joel's driveway and waited for him to come out with his car, stopped him and said, what is going on here? But I didn't. My Sicilian temper got the best of me, and I was like, <laughs> bring him. And he's the same way. He's just like I am. He's like, you know, he said that, well, bring him. You know, I never want to see him again. You know, like that kind of thing. Right. So it was 15 years and a lot of people that we knew had passed away, uh, who were sick, and, and you know, it's like, we're still standing. Why are we not talking to each other? Why aren't we friends? We were best friends for the longest time. Right. You know? 30 years you were on the road. Yeah. No, and it was something stupid that really didn't even happen, that, <laughs> that he heard that really didn't happen, you know? It's... And I think it's and again it's 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 a it's a I think a testament to a little bit to time that sometimes you know these things and again these things happen in the music industry over and over again it's you're not the only two people that have run into this but it was just I think especially for the people um, in in this neck of the woods too on you know from Long Island New York and, and it's just everybody was always just hoping some. Peace would be made between the two of you. Well, it's pretty amazing. I guess, you know, after people found out about the book and that Billy wrote the forward, people, one girl from my school that I grew up with, she said, you know, we grew up with this music and we loved it so much. It was really sad that we thought that 
it was going to end that it ended this way with two two of the main people in the band hating each other and now that you're back you know friends again we're really happy right now we can celebrate the music again you know well spe- speaking of, i mean i know this pandemic of 2020 has been devastating on the live music scene uh, but you know your new band the lords of 52nd street with richie yeah. and russell i mean i know they'll return but uh, now i did a little research you just turned 70 last month yeah, how to say that? <laughs> <laughs> That's not, you know, I have to do my research. I mean, did you think you would be still doing this at seventy? I mean, you really have to stay in shape to play these songs every every time you get up there. Exactly. You know, the way I played when I was in my twenties and thirties, uh, people loved it watching it. You know, very. Uh, I've been called a, a, a musical athlete, and it's very like uh, visual and my arms are flying and everything like that. Well. It turns out it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because it was really fun to do it and people really love it, but it's a curse because, yeah, I still have to do it because that's what they <laughs> want to see. So I had to figure out how to do this. You right. know, and I had to change a lot of uh, um, things, like uh, I, I don't eat meat, I don't eat any dairy, I try to walk at least an, an hour a day. Uh, you know, to get a, and I have a three-year-old, and she keeps me busy. <laughs> keeps me young. A three? Uh, you uh, have a three-year-old? Wow. I have a, I have one that's forty, one that's thirty-six, one that's thirty-two, and one that's three. <laughs> my goodness, <laughs> I'm not sure what I can even say to that. I mean, my, the drummer in my band is seventy, and I, I think he would pass out if he had a three-year-old. But I mean, you must be in amazing shape to keep up with a three-year-old. Well, I, I do. I, I mean, uh, me and Richie were talking about it the other day. We were talking about how, like, we're in our 70s, and, and some of the guys, the other guys in the band, they can't keep up with us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, this is what we do. We've, we, we've got ourselves in great shape. I mean, I, I've, I've been sober for, for like 16, 17 years now. Uh, Richie's been clean for a really long time, and it's like you really got to get yourself together if you're going to continue to do this. Right, because the ones who did, the ones who didn't clean, are not here. Exactly. exactly. And it's you know, and it's you know, it, it, g- genetics is only going to get you so far. So, I guess the last question I have is: so, what's up next for you? For for you um, now, this book took a lot out of you, and I guess you're just waiting for the live shows to kind of kick in. Are you working on any other projects or? Well, well, here's the deal. Look, you're talking to a guy that never took any drum lessons and yet played with one of the biggest single artists ever. You're talking to the guy that barely met in high school and wrote a book. So my next project is I'm going to find a cure for this uh, virus that's going around now. <laughs> Why not? I, I, and I was never in a science class. Or, or, you know, I know nothing about chemistry. I, I'll figure this out somehow. <laughs> I think that is that is probably the most optimistic thing I've heard in 2020. Um, I'm going to have to write that down. Li- you you may just make CNN. Liberty DeVito finds cure for coronavirus. <laughs> I'm I'm all for it. So you know, um, you tell tell Richie to to knock out one of his rooms so you can turn it into a science lab and uh, <laughs> see what you come up with. But, but, but seriously. Um yeah, the Lords have been playing some uh, outdoor shows, you know, those, those ones with the cars. Right. And the people people beep and stuff. Uh, it's, really, it's strange. 
It is strange. It is strange. And I think everybody is, you know, I, I think people, people knew they were going to miss, you know, live entertainment, but they didn't know by how much. And, right. you know, by, by being, you know, sequestered and hunkered down and bunkered into these situations where they just cannot seem to get out of. And, I mean, we just have to, I, I know we're coming into the fall now already, so it's, especially up here, it's going to be hard to do um, outdoor shows for much longer if it, if the weather um, starts to turn. But, I mean, there is 2021, and I know everybody's gangbuster for that, and hopefully we'll, we will see the, uh, the Lords of 52nd Street out there. So, Liberty, listen, thank you so much for spending the time here, um, and um, I hope to get this up here in, in a few weeks um, on this new podcast, and we will be in touch, and we'll let you know how it goes. Fantastic. Thank you. So All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What a personality. I mean, <laughs> Liberty DeVito curing corona, uh, curing the, the coronavirus. I like that. I mean, I, why not? I mean, and it just goes to show you, you know, a lot of, a lot of these rockers at Liberty's age, you know, at 70, you know, a lot of them, you know, there was no plan B or plan C or plan D. They had a plan A. They had a, they found themselves into music in some way, shape, or form, and it was plan A all the way. They were going to do this, and if it didn't happen, they were not, they're not going to make it. Uh, some of them didn't. Uh, but, um, you know, Liberty was fortunate enough, if you read his if you read his background, he just always was looking for the next thing and he was always jumping from one thing to the next. And, you know, especially in music, you know, it's always about connections. You're always one step away from meeting somebody else and, um, and talking about, um, you know, how to get involved in this situation or how to get involved in, um, that festival and always just networking around because you just never know who's going to be um, that next, um, you know, that, that next magic moment. Um, I'm still looking for it. I've got a single I hope to try to get out. Um, we were talking about Richie Kanata before. I hope to maybe get back into Richie's studio and doing another fun song um, and uh, putting that out maybe as a single and then working on something for 2021. But um, anyway, uh, uh, I guess the last point I wanted to kind of bring up is definitely try to uh, get to the Amazon bookstore, the Barnes & Noble bookstore, um, look up Sullivan III, type in Happy New Millennium, Get the Kindle version, get the paperback version, get the hardcover version, whatever version you want. Um, that, um, we'll play a little, play out a little of my song, Yeah, No, No, Yeah. Um, so, keep an eye out for Sullyman Third, And the name of the show is... Humor Absurd with Sully Man the Third. <laughs>